0: Hello and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will be interviewing very worshipful brother Zane McCune on membership, retention, and engagement.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all. Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com.
0: Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have our, our usual suite of hosts: uh, very worshipful brother David Colbeth and myself from the Grand Lodge of Washington, and worshipful brothers Jared Dunham and Stephen Chung from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. And we have with us our one of our most frequent guests: uh, very worshipful brother Zane McCune, who's uh, here in Washington also and uh, is involved with the Grand Lodge uh, and does some presentations on membership and engagement and retention, which is why we're talking about it with him. Um, so I guess. I know how I would define some of these terms, but uh, Zane, do you have a, a a way that you prefer to to define these these different words that are we're discussing? Well, today?
2: Right? yeah, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it, and thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, it's always great hanging out with you guys for the evening and and talking about Freemasonry. Um, yeah, you know, I hear uh, I I teach uh, several classes at in Washington's jurisdiction their lodge leadership retreat and. You um, hear the word membership uh, and, and uh, retention, and I, you hear these buzzwords and kind of what do they mean? And, um, you know, I hear the, I hear the, uh, you know, frequently said, you know, we have a, a membership problem and maybe we can talk about that a little bit tonight, but I think of membership in terms of just nothing simply than having somebody join the lodge. They are a new member, The function of them finding your lodge and getting to know you guys and submitting a petition and going through the, going through the degrees. So certainly he's becoming he, a new member. Became... Yeah. So, whether he's around a year from now or not. Uh, I don't really view that as a membership issue because the membership is the function of somebody joining the lodge, whether he's around a year from now is a retention issue. And what's the experience that he finds himself in with the lodge during that last course of that year. So Somebody can be very excited about joining and they join the lodge. And then in a year from now, they're gone. Does the lodge have a membership problem or a retention problem? That's why I like to split the difference between the two. A membership is just that front end piece of how do you attract members? And, you know, do you get to know them? And the process of, uh, in, our, in our state, we have a six step. So we get to know the candidates before they join. Uh, and, um, and then, but really, what defines a lodge and what defines their success isn't how much of that they can do. It's, can they retain these brothers who join the lodge? And so that I, I think of as the retention uh, of, of uh, members.
1: And you you might get into this. And so I don't mean to, to jumpstart here, but will you, while we have the six steps program, hopefully lodges are using it well and whatever <laughs> version of it they might be using, which we borrowed generously from our friends to the North. Thank you, Jared and Steven. <laughs> uh, it, even though the six steps, I mean, there's still lodges that say, Hey, we got a petition. Let's get them in that six steps program. And I just bow my head in sorrow that it, it's a pre-petition process. It's really letting the guys get to know and for the, for the masons to get to know the candidate and the candidate or the, the inquirer to get to know the lodge and the masons and as you do a good job even better than us that trying to get them out to explore other lodges to make sure that they are a good fit for that culture and so while yes i think our conversation is going to go towards after they're a member and the retention process are we doing a good job of setting the table setting the plate whatever you want to call it the scene so that Should, should they have come in to begin with? Uh, That's a bigger question. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) How, how, you know, how how can we, if I had to go through it, it, I may not be a Mason.
2: (laughs) At least in our lodge, what we're trying to accomplish during the six steps program is several things, but uh, just to name a few, um, do they, um, are they, are they really kind of fit to be a Mason and are they a fit for our lodge? And that's not an exclusivity thing. That's a, we're very upfront about the culture of our lodge. Here's what we focus on. Here's what we do. Do these align with what you're looking for in a lodge? And what do you bring to a lodge? What are your interests? And what are you hoping to get out of it? And those are questions that most lodges that I find don't really ask. They go, oh, you live five miles from our house? Oh, well, then you're the perfect candidate for our lodge. Uh, well, they also happen to live five or six miles from lots of different lodges. So we try to be upfront about kind of who we are and then share with that, with that uh, potential candidate, the other lodges in the immediate area and a, a little bit about what we know about those lodges and, and, and our goal is to find a good fit and it may not be our lodge.
3: Um, yeah. and that, That's a very good point, Jane. Actually, it may not be the lodge that he's actually approached. Um, I, I have actually turned uh, prospects onto other lodges. Um, one, because, uh, you know, to him, it was really important that uh, he joined the lodge that his grandfather belonged to, which happened to be the other lodge in Kelowna. And, but he didn't know there was the two lodges, right? And yeah. so, uh, <clears throat> and then, of course, there's a, a lodge in Vernon where the the membership of that lodge, they uh, belong to gun clubs and they go do a lot of shooting and hunting and those types of things. And so there was a, a, a fellow that uh, wanted to join, actually lived halfway in between, and I recommended he join the other lodge because... Um, after getting going for a couple of coffees with him and having that initial conversation with him, um, that's how I found out all of these things about him, that he would probably be a better fit. Now, I've also told guys straight up, like, you may join our lodge because we've connected. You reached out, we've connected. Um, But it's very important that you go and you visit other lodges so that you get to meet the membership from up and down the jurisdiction. Uh, and and um, in our district, uh, there's eight lodges. So you may find that you connect with one guy here, another guy there, right? Uh, and um, uh, and that's okay, right? Because yeah, it is we're okay. all spread everywhere and that just encourages more visitations, right? Well, it's it's uh, it, no, I, I agree with
2: you. Um... Um, and that's why we're upfront about who we are as a lodge, because if they, you know, we all win when that candidate finds the lodge that has a culture and provides an experience that they're interested in. And uh, when you find, when you find that, when you find that right home for them, they're, you know, the difference between their what their expectations are and what the reality of that, what that lodge can provide is, is, is really similar. They're going to be happy and we all win. You know, guys leave the lodge when they think they're joining one thing and they find out it's something else. They get disenfranchised with Freemasonry and then they leave and they leave the whole thing. They don't generally go join another lodge. And so we all win when we find the right lodge for somebody and we all lose if we don't do that.
1: So how do you how do you. Make sure that they have the similar experience too. That was something else I was contemplating recently. That I want, if, if even within your own lodge, if you're if I'm kind of the main Westgate guy, the inquirer, you know, because I manage the website and stuff, but mm-hmm. if, if I'm end up being the kind of the main guy that they talk to, then I turn him over to another guy and he talks to them about some things. How do I know other than just the culture of the lodge and hopefully some good training or some good messaging? How do I know for sure that he's getting the same message? Or the other side of it, what if we have uh, what we would call that's coming off the website or coming off the street is kind of the non-traditional approach. We would In the part of the six steps, it talks about that, the non-traditional approach where you don't know anybody. You're just coming in as a new inquiry. You have no clue what, who at at the lodge, you have no friends or no connections. Where our, we say the traditional approach is someone maybe from work or a family member or somebody associate that you know, uh, or a friend that is a mason and they bring them in recommended or well recommended in theory to the lodge, and this, maybe that's a whole other. I just had an idea that w- yeah, I think probably, you
2: got have a future a future show there, Dave. We, we should
1: <laughs> we should talk about uh, we should talk about. Uh, if if I recommend them, should you recommend them automatically because I do? That's all. That's all on topic. I'll write that down. Yeah. Uh, but how do I know that that person coming off the street, even though they've been they're they're known, is going to have or has had the same experience that the guy that comes off the internet or off the, whatever a similar six steps induction to understand truly what masonry is? Yeah, I know Zane, and he seems like a good guy. I work with him. And I think I know what masonry is because I know who Zane is. And you say, yeah, I know John. He's a, or I don't know, Dave, he's a great guy. You know, we, our family and friends, my litmus test, I say to people is that if my wife and kids were broken down on the side of the road, could I call Jared and would I trust him enough to come and take care of my family. That's my, one of my litmus tests for the trusting factor of a new inquirer. And so if that's all it was, then that's a different standard than having them come through six steps. I say that's my line six could be six days, six weeks, six months. There's not a time limit as the process yeah. of getting through it. That, and
2: are they actually going through it? That litmus test makes one big assumption that every single lodge experience is exactly the same. And that's really just, is he, yes. is he, is he somebody who would be a good Mason? Yes. But that's, of course, there's more than that. And I guess in our lodge um, and I'm in our lodge, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the primary contact for inbound inquiries. Um and I, and I would say I would answer this you know, two ways. One is um, during our six steps, there are certain events and functions that our lodge conducts that we invite those guys to. And so there's a formal dinner, there are social dinners, there's uh, you know, other uh, uh, kind of guys nights out that we do. And I wanna make sure that, that those candidates are hitting all of those types of events. So it's not just they only come to the lodge dinner or they only go, you know, to the to the, you know, casual night out that we're that we're that we're doing. And then the other the other uh, the other way I'd answer that question is, uh, it, it, you know, in our lodge, we talk about what do we value and we talk about our lodge culture. And I know that sounds strange, like, well, you're it's it's sort of this. uh you know, organic thing that should just be, you know, it is what it is and and no one can really control it. But I'd argue just the opposite. Well, um, what, what do we prioritize?
3: What, what do we prioritize about your culture?
2: We talk about what we value in our lodge. What do we want to spend time doing? Uh, nothing. It doesn't really happen by, uh, you know, random series of get togethers. And we talk about whatever is on the top of our mind. Um, um, we talk about you know, what we value, what we want our lodge meetings to be like, um, I'm not saying that if you asked every guy in our lodge, you know, how would you define Verity 59, then of course they'd all have, you know, their own, you know, answer from their own perspective. But, you know, if you said, what are the top, you know, what's the top thing that you guys value in your lodge and focus on, what would that be? I'd, I'd be shocked if that wasn't a pretty consistent answer.
1: And so do you have, does the lodge have a mission statement? Do they have uh, particular goals for planning and things that they do that would help to solidify the message and the process? Is that, I, I know you have somebody, some people say there are no standing rules but you have standing rules that help to define some of that, don't you?
2: Yeah, we have some standing rules that, that, that help uh, uh, prioritize, uh, prioritize that. Um, and I guess, you know, from our standpoint, Masonic education, you know, esoteric discussion, uh, historical discussion, you know, uh, and we'll engage in, you know, philosophical discussion. You know, when we're at the Lodge, uh, we're focusing on our, you know, what does our ritual mean? Why do we, you know, we, 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 uh, we hear these words and we say these things, but what do they mean? And how do we interpret them? That's a, that's a different uh, evening for a mason than you know getting together and having a social night down at the lodge where it's to really just get together and talk about you know top of mind maybe the the last Seahawks game or you know whatever whatever you know is you know the topic du jour um, the i I would argue that the that it's the former that uh, Probably what most guys are joining Freemasonry, what they think they are joining when they join Freemasonry, are really looking for. Even if they can't vocalize it, we're there to say this is what we do. If this is interesting, then we're you know we're the lodge that you want to join. If this is not interesting to you, you're you know we'll find you another lodge. You know well, that's okay. Does that help answer that question? Or I, I think so.
1: And matter of fact, the idea of joining another lodge or whether, the, whether they're already in or you had touched on the idea that when a guy comes in he becomes a Mason and then he says, Oh, this is what I thought it was instead of the possibility of experiencing another lodge. Even after that point, he the the, the, the normal processes, they just, disappear and they go NPD and not non-payment of dues. And so they're kind of gone from Masonry, even though they're technically still a Mason. Yeah, still a Mason. You can't undo that. Yeah. But uh, that he may decide not to. We were talking in the blue room, we call it the green room before our show, that the the word demit isn't four letters. It's not a four-letter word. And so the idea <laughs> that that a guy can't come in and be a Mason and great Mason, good or bad, whatever. Maybe it has a bad experience, maybe there's a bad situation, whatever. And Or he moves, God forbid, he moves to another area. We expect him to drive, to drive an hour and a half. Sorry, Jared, I think you guys already do that. Drive an hour and a half <laughs> to your lodge. For, and when it used to be 10 minutes down the street, how can you expect people to do that? Or their, their job changes, their shift changes or whatever. So to be able to demit and move to a more satisfying situation should be a no-brainer. But I think we look at the word demit and, oh, why are you leaving lodge? Well, I'm not. I'm just... Making it better. We talk about the, the, the important things in life. We say Freemasonry is about faith, family, finances, and then fraternity, but we seem to ignore those elements when it comes right down to it.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because um, really the people that are disenfranchised with a fraternity rarely demit, they just walk away. Just leave. They walk back out the West Gate the way they came, and, then, and that's the end. And you don't really know why. Yeah. Uh, and that's I think that's the hard part. And, and actually, it brings up a, a topic that I've been I've been, uh, you know, it, it brings up a myth that I've been trying to bust for probably the last uh, five or six years um, while while teaching classes at Lodge Leadership. And the question that I always ask the class uh, at the beginning is, um, it, you know, it's a true or false question. And it's, you know, we have a membership problem. True or false? And, uh, you know, of course, how many people think it's true? How many people think it's false? And more, more than not, guys will say, that's true. We have a membership problem. And they, and they sort of define it as either we can't attract guys to the lodge. We need to do more in the community. We need to do more advertising. We need to do like, you know, they don't know who we are. So they think that's what's happening because they see the numbers declining. Right? Well, the numbers declining, clearly people don't know who we are. Then they make that connection. Um, the other myth that they, that they associate or the other fact, the reason they associate with that myth is, um, our uh, brothers who, um, you know, pass away and go to the celestial lodge. That's another one of those, that's another one of those, uh, um, uh, reasons they attribute to the decline in our, in our rank, in our role. And when you actually get into the membership statistics, which you can in Washington, and I have, uh, you could say that that was probably true up until about the year 2000, that the number of deaths from from Masons exceeded the number of new guys joining the Lodge. So even, you know, it was just, it was a declining number no matter what. That was probably true up until the year, about, about the year 2000. Something interesting shifts in right around that time. Um, and it's because we've gone through that generation. I mean, this is just sort of generational statistics. The number of people who are continuing to pass away to the Celestial Lodge eventually is starting to decline because there's fewer of them. So that, that rate of, of death is not constant after the year 2000, like it was before the year 2000. What's, what's taking its place are NPDs and Demits. And there are more NPDs and Demits now than there are brothers that are passing away to the Celestial Lodge. So now when you really break apart the numbers and you look post year 2000, you'll see that the reason that we're really st- still declining has nothing, has very, has it's less dependent on, on guys passing away and much more dependent on guys leaving the lodge and that's what's declining that's what's contributing to the decline uh in um in in uh at the state level now every lodge is going to experience something a little bit different um you can track your own lodge and we could hypothetically track every single lodge but uh all these membership statistics are available at the grand
4: lodge level uh uh every year i've done the same thing here in British Columbia. I actually went through our membership numbers and the year 1963 for us was the year that we peaked. Mm, Okay. from 1963 until today, we have had uh, our, our membership has been declining steadily. Yeah. But another question I have was you've gone over your statistics down in Washington state. One of the things, and this might be slightly anecdotal that I notice up here is that our lodges in our annual returns, whenever they show the membership, They show membership, how many membership cards we've actually handed out. But up here, I know quite a few members that are members of all the lodges in my district. And so all of a sudden, we've got an inflated. And then a lot of what happens is they retire, they join all the lodges. And then a few years later, they suddenly realize how much they're spending on lodge dues. And they start demitting from all but their mother lodge. And have you and we all of a sudden we have this big and I don't know about big, but, you know, have you ever have you noticed in your numbers down there anything similar to that where it looks like people are we're losing members, but we're actually just losing memberships, not actually members.
2: It's hard to see in the Grand Lodge numbers. I know from my lodge because I'm the secretary. So I see it's a really great question, Jared. Um, Not really. We had a handful of plural members, I would say, of all of the Demits that we've had in the past uh, oh, just say 10 years. I would say five really were, con- you know, contributed to to guys that were in multiple lodges and they just said, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to demit from everything back to my, you know, my, my, my mother lodge. So it really hasn't inflated our lodge numbers all that much. And it's hard to dissect that out of the, uh, right. The grand
4: lodge numbers. Cause I know that was, that was the issue with, with my, previous lodge that we, we eventually went dark because of our active members all but three of them were members of other lodges so when yeah. you tried to get anyone to do anything they're like well i can't i'm already doing something you know and so i was just wondering if that was an issue down in washington state as well yeah it's a it's, it's a it's a good
1: question instead of the butterfly effect just the belly button effect how many belly buttons are there really Right. When I, when I was a when I was a newer mason, I was so impressed, a guy would stand up and he would be introduced several times, you know, oh, I'm the senior deacon over here and I'm the junior warden over there and I'm the, you know, musician over there whatever. And he was a member of all these other lodges and doing all these things and I thought, "Oh my goodness, that's amazing. How can you know, how can he that's he's he must be so wonderful." Two things I realized. One, he, he has no, he's so busy, he has no wife. life. Uh, he may be retired. But two, more importantly, I thought, you know, in some way, well, I guess three points. In some way, he's holding a lodge, maybe holding a lodge open that shouldn't be. They're just propping him up, and if he's not propping up a lodge, if the lodge is running successfully, then he's probably taking a position from somebody that really should have that position. Is he he taking an opportunity from a newer Mason or from somebody else? Now, maybe he's doing the right thing and filling in. A lot of us have done that. you got to fill in. There's a gap. Something happens. Somebody does move away to that city. It's an hour and a half away. A gap opens. You need to fill it as a good past master. I think that's the role, but maybe that's the case. I, in particular, when it's hard to know that it's hard to
2: know how to walk that line between, you know, keeping a lodge open that should just go ahead and allow it to fail let the let the brothers find other lodges and and move on rather than you know propping up a a lodge that you know that that doesn't need to have have happened hard to know how we doing on time i um i I, there was a couple of things i wanted to share and i don't know if there's an opportunity for another uh um another another meeting but i'll give you just a um maybe dave i'll ask uh i'll open it up uh,
0: to you know all of you guys but sorry go ahead Uh, matt you're trying to Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, Zane, are you willing to, can you hang around for another episode? We can, we can. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, so I, I feel like we talked a lot about the problem, but yeah, I know you have some, uh, some, some, how shall we say more disciplined thoughts than, than our recently conversation that we just had and some uh, supporting documents and such. So, uh, and we want to definitely want to get to that and we don't have enough time at the moment. So. Um, I guess what I'm going to say is the thank you for coming, Zane. And on behalf of David and Jared and Stephen and myself, uh, we thank you all for listening to our our humble podcast. And please tune in for part two of our conversation with Zane McCune here in a little bit. That we will be releasing our. We'll just continue to discuss membership retention and engagement. Which I don't even think we got around to engagement, but anyway, we'll talk about it next time on the we'll to Tools it. Podcast. Good night.